There is a ton of wellness information out there and it's easy to get overwhelmed with what's helpful, what you should do, who you should listen to, and do all these things go together? My name is Justin Sinceri. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist that is obsessed with the polyvagal theory. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This was originally recorded as an Instagram Live where I answer one of the many, many questions that I get from super fans. Before I go into things, put yourself first. This should be a pretty safe episode. But, you know, just by the nature of the stuff that we go into here, um, please make sure you put yourself first. Take a break if you need to. Bunny says, I am on a bit of an inner healing mission at the moment and was wondering if you could shed some light on something I am trying to figure out. Basically, I may be wrong, but from what I understand, the somatic experiencing approach is about feeling into stuck charges in the nervous system and allowing them to move through and resolve, effectively getting out of the way of our body's processes. So first off, I am not an SE practitioner. I have, I think, a decent understanding of what it's all about generally, but I'm not an SE practitioner, so I want to put that out there right away. But I will kind of touch, touch on that. And then Bunny goes on to say further, however, another school of thought is that to heal and build self-esteem and confidence, etc., we should be reinforcing positive feelings in our subconscious and using neuroplasticity to shift to a happier way of being. Maybe I am totally, that's all caps, maybe I am totally getting my wires crossed, but these two seem at odds with each other, and I just don't know what I'm doing anymore when I go into meditation. Lean in or lean away. Sometimes I tap into feelings of shame and end up trying to run away from them because I don't want to reinforce those neural pathways. But then maybe I'm preventing a full healing by denying my body's felt experience. What are your personal thoughts? So that's the email. I think it's a great question. And to me, this is really about potentially different paradigms that may be at odds with each other or not quite coalesce. So that's what I wanted to kind of speak on. Let's talk about somatic experiencing real quick. Um, Bunny was asking, somatic experiencing is about feeling into stuck charges. More or less, yeah, I think it's definitely part of it, but there's a lot more to it from what I understand than just feeling into stuck charges. There's the inner body sensations, but there's also thoughts, images, there's behavior. There's a lot of stuff that goes into SC. So it's not simply feeling into the stuck charges and sort of letting them discharge. There's a lot more to SE, I believe. And just the simple sideband model. I may actually go into that someday um, in one episode. But uh, just that in itself, there's a lot more to it than just those stuck charges. The other thing that, that really kind of caught me is in just this email, there's all these like terms thrown out there and concepts and whatnot. So let me, let me briefly go through it real quick. So there's somatic experiencing, unconscious, neuroplasticity, meditation, self-esteem, confidence. I think I said subconscious, a happier way of being. So there's all these things and some of these we hear about no matter what, like a happier way of being. We hear about that I think as being a goal like all the time. Uh, neuroplasticity, rewiring the brain, we hear that everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. I listen to, I listen to podcasts about podcasting mostly. Or I listen to podcasts about uh, social marketing, social media marketing, stuff like that. I don't even listen to podcasts about psychology that often or about neuroplasticity, but it comes up all the time. And there was one I was listening to about podcasting and they're talking about the importance of storytelling. 
And the person who was talking about, actually it was about social media marketing, sorry. But the person who came on, the expert was talking about how human beings are wired to like stories or our brains are wired to get excited about stories. I don't know, something like that. But it's like, yeah, people like stories and that's that's it. Like, it's just that simple. People like stories. But for some reason, we feel the need to throw in the neuroplasticity angle to like pretty much everything. The brain does this, the brain does that versus just saying, yeah, people like stories. So that's everywhere. We hear about subconscious, like all these buzzwords and concepts and whatnot. And they're all, there's a whole bunch of them thrown in here, you know, right in this one email. So reinforcing positive, I'm going to go over a couple of things she talked about and then I'll go more generally into what I think. Reinforcing positive feelings in the subconscious and using neuroplasticity. So there's all these like concepts in just that phrase, but the feelings and the subconscious are not just feelings, right? So it's not like we deal with feelings and that's it. Feelings are attached to, uh, well, it, I guess it depends on how you use the word feelings. So if you're using the word feelings to mean emotions, more like I'm happy or I'm sad or excited, the emotions, I'll call it emotions, the emotions are really attached to body feelings. There's feelings, there's things happening within the body that we experience as those emotions. So if you're talking about feelings as like emotions, there's always more to it. But the person said, Bunny said, reinforcing positive feelings in the subconscious. And I don't know what that means. I think this might be a case where there are some wires being crossed here as far as paradigms like or some confusion. I don't know what reinforcing positive feelings in the subconscious is. I personally don't talk about the subconscious a whole lot. And I'm going to go into this more later on. But reinforcing positive feelings in the subconscious and using neuroplasticity I don't know, that, just that phrase, I can't make heads or tails of what that what that means. And it seems like there is some misunderstandings there. And I don't blame her. Like we get these all these messages about mental health and what's helpful, what not helpful. And there's a lot of them and I don't think they always go together. So she asks, are my wires crossed? Are these at odds with each other? And I think that when we look at just the subconscious idea or just neuroplasticity or just feelings that they're pieces of a bigger puzzle. So I don't think that they have to be at odds with each other. I think that they are concepts that are interesting, but incomplete in and of themselves. So like cognitive behavioral therapy places a lot of emphasis on uh, thoughts, on cognitions. And that's of course really important, but that's a piece of the human puzzle. There's a lot more to it. And a cognitive behavioral therapy does take into other things and other things into consideration. But it doesn't doesn't do a great job of taking in the somatic, the 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 bodily states, the polyvagal kind of stuff. So it 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 has a big piece of the puzzle, but it misses a whole other piece of the puzzle. Talking about neuroplasticity, it's important, and I'm not disregarding it. But how far do we take that as far as the individual? Um, so I think it's a really important piece of understanding on a biological level, like what's happening within us. What does that mean day to day? How do you feel neuroplasticity? How do I know if it's working or not? How do I measure that or gauge that? How does a therapist do that? So it's like, it's an important piece. Subconscious might be an important piece. Our feelings are an important piece, but we got to put these pieces together, right? And there's other schools of thought as well. I mentioned CBT, 
polyvagal theory is a whole new paradigm that I think is really kind of underlies all this stuff. Um, so integrating polyvagal theory into what we're doing. There's traditional psychological constructs like the id, ego, superego. There's attachment stuff. There's all these paradigms, right, that are important. You'll never hear me talk about the ego. That's not something that um, I use. I know like Dr. Nicole uses that a lot, the holistic psychologist. And it's not about whether it's right or wrong. It's just about what, for how I view the world and how I view myself and my clients. I never, ever talk about the ego. That is something that others might for their paradigm, right? For the way that they view the world, the way that they view themselves, their clients. So, and even within, just within psychology, there's numerous schools of thought, numerous paradigms as to like how we view change and what, how we view what helps and doesn't help. So what do you do with all that, right? And actually I had, a, I think there's a comment or two. I'm going to go back, check those and then come back to where I was at. Somatic biology drives behavior as Irene line puts it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and so I would completely agree with that. And of course our thoughts mix in there as well, but our thoughts are driven by our bi- biology too, I believe. Uh, story follow state is what Deb Dennis says. I think to some degree we need both bottom up and top down healing. Absolutely. It says they are not mutually exclusive. Oh, sorry. And I'm with you. They're, they are not mutually exclusive. It seems like she is stuck in the body being separate from the brain. And that's, that's part of the issue here is, and I, what I think that somatic experiencing does really well and polyvagal theory as well is understanding that it's not one or the other. These things are easily, they go hand in hand, just like the other comment said that our thoughts match our state, story follows state. Our behavior stems from our biology. It's not a separate thing. I don't think it's helpful to separate those two. All right, so what do we do with all this? And in my opinion, you go with what interests you. And at least temporarily, you, you dump the rest. Not because it's wrong. But for you right now, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about you in general, not the, not Bunny here. But for us in general, we go with what speaks to us. We, we go with what we feel hopeful about. We, and so if neuroplasticity is your thing and you love to read about that and learn about that and the brain excites you and, you know, there's certain things that are recommended based on the view or the lens of neuroplasticity, then you run with that. And maybe focusing on the cognitions like with CBT isn't your thing. So it wouldn't make sense to follow what you're not interested in. It makes sense in what appeals to you, to, to follow what appeals to you. And this has nothing to do with whether one thing is right or wrong. It's simply about what is my biology? What is my nervous system? What is myself? What's attracting me? And you follow that impulse. And I think as long as it's in the realm of like wellness and I guess there's a lot of pitfalls there too, but in general, you follow what feels right, what feels, what you feel curious about, what you're interested in learning more about. And at least temporarily, you kind of just, the other things that are you're being told are important, but you don't really have that interest in, I, I think you put those off to the side for a little bit. Now, it's, eventually they might become important to you. So like right now, the body stuff for you may scare the hell out of you. So there's no curiosity. There's just fear. But uh, learning about thoughts, cognitions, learning about neuroplasticity, 
that might feel safer. So rather than saying do both at the same time, I would, I would encourage people to let's take a step forward and a step forward might be what just feels the safest in this moment today or right now. And so you just go with what feels the safest. Now I do think there's a lot of value in challenging yourself. So I'm not saying we don't challenge ourselves, but as a first step, I think we just go with what feels the safest or what feels most hopeful. I don't like going into a therapist who is using some modality that you think is ridiculous or going to a therapist that you see on social media who seems like an idiot, but you go there anyways, the level of hope is going to be way down and therefore the potential for success is probably going to be lower. But if you go to someone who seems like this, I, I, this person feels safe. This person feels like I can trust them. I'm going to follow that impulse and go, you know, speak with them or set up a session. That might be the best first step. Now this, the other person who seems like a jerk, they might become like later on down the road, a few months down the road, they might, you might be like, I might be ready for that. I might be ready for what their style is. It wasn't a good fit for me a few months ago, but right now I do need that little, you know, whatever they're doing it is, you know, whatever it is, that style seems like it'd be a good fit for me right now. But you start with, you just go with, with what feels the best, I think, as, as a first step. And that will help you to get to the next step. And I think it, rather than looking at all of these avenues for help or these paradigms that we view change through, rather than taking all of them in all at once, you again, you might just stick with the ones that appeals to you the most. Because if you're expecting to like really understand neuroplasticity and understand somatic experiencing and polyvagal theory and whatever, fill in the blank, that can get pretty overwhelming. Like how, like how far can you really drill down into each of these if you're trying to do them all at once? I, I, I personally believe less is more. So rather than doing all these things all at once, it might be a great idea just to focus on what appeals to you the most and you trim out the rest of it. Okay, so you pick a therapist, you pick a modality. And I, I think this is, um, like I said before, you're not going to hear me talk about the ego. You're not going to hear me talk about the subconscious very often whatsoever. You're not going to hear me talk about different parts of you as if you have different parts within you. I don't view people that way. Um, I, I don't view people as having a, a younger self. I know what that means metaphorically, but all I see is the person in front of me in the present moment. My goal as a therapist is to bring people into the present moment as much as possible. So metaphorically, I get it. But I also want to like focus on the fact that no, no, right now you have you, the person in front of me, you have these, you as a complete person, you have these feelings within you right now and they're legitimate versus, oh, there's a child part of you that has that feeling. No, 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 you do. So that's, but that's me. That's how I view the world. That's how I view people in front of me. That's how I view my clients and myself is that everything is in the present moment within a single person. So, but that's, that's me. That's me. That's how I do things. So someone who wants, who, who, who that like thinking about yourself as parts, that person wouldn't click with me and therefore they wouldn't seek out my service probably. But for someone who really wants to focus on bare bones in the moment, like that, that would be a good fit for them. They, that would spark something within them. They'd be like, oh, that, that makes sense to me. 
and they might seek out more content from me or work with me as a therapist. But you, you pick what works best for you. And that's not just a ther- as a therapist, but also just as a modality or as a paradigm. What like what sparks something within you? What, what gets you going? And I know when I found the polyvagal theory, like that sparked something really big inside of me. Like it, my, I just lit up. And it, it was, I could have easily seen all oh, polyvagal theory. That's interesting. And also seen neuroplasticity and chosen neuroplasticity. But I chose to, to go really deep in polyvagal theory because inside I felt that like energy, that clarity, that excitement. And that spoke to me, that told me my ability to consciously choose. It told me to like pursue that. So that, that's what I would tell people is like, what, what excites you? If you're kind of overwhelmed with all these modalities and paradigms, what speaks to you? What gets you excited? What do you genuinely want to know more about? And that's where you focus. I think that's where you focus your energy. And Bunny says, I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And I think a lot of people, if, honestly, I think a lot of people who kind of understand where she's coming from, they might be in the same place. So I think it's in general, I think it's a really important thing to kind of go into a little bit, which is, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Like they've sort of lost, it's, it's become overwhelming. It's, it's too many things, too many avenues, too many angles, too much to understand, too many spins on the same idea. And so someone might get to the point where they're like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing anymore. And once you're there, you're now in this evaluative, judgmental, anxious, stressed out place. And these aren't bad feelings, I'm not saying that. But if we're in that more evaluative place, then we're out of the present moment. We're out of, potentially, we're out of our safety state, more or less, not 100%, but we're out of there. And we have to be back in our ventral vagal safety state to really for these things to benefit us for especially she's she listed uh, or she said meditation for something like that yoga uh, therapy for these things to be really really beneficial we have to be in the present moment so if, if we find ourselves being evaluative or judgmental or anxious or stressed or overwhelmed that's our cue in my opinion to trim down to like look at this is what this is. This is where I'm putting my energy, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing anymore. It's I'm spread out too far. Things are getting mixed up. That's where that's your cue when you feel these feelings. That's that's your cue for these emotions. That's your cue to to reevaluate and say like, what is it I'm really pulled towards? And that's where you'd be like, neuroplasticity for for me. Neuroplasticity is interesting, but the daily application of that in my life, I don't see it. Polyvagal theory, that's super interesting. And I can measure that. I can feel those things. I can learn more about this and I can look inward at myself and I can feel, I can't feel rewiring my brain, I don't think. But I can feel when my flight fight system's activated. I can feel when I'm in a safe state. I can feel when I'm in shutdown. So that has a direct application to my life. I want to learn more about that. Like that, that might be the thought process. But you, you look at what, what speaks to you, um, what, what really pulls you. What you're, and so even, so now you might be thinking, well, how do I do that? It's, it's easier than you think because you have impulses towards certain things. Like what's your favorite kind of ice cream? Or if I gave you chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla, which one would you choose? 
you don't have to think about which one you would choose for the most part. You might just feel like, oh, it's strawberry. You might just feel this pull toward that. It, that's it. That's, it's just that simple. In, in essence, it's just that simple. So if I'm, if I'm showing you neuroplasticity, polyvagal theory, somatic experiencing, cognitive behavioral therapy, and you're trying to do all these things all at once, you might just line those up in front of you and say, which one pulls, which one do I feel like? It's just that one. That, that's the one that I want to go into more. And that's it. Like you have a favorite something and you know it's your favorite something because you just, you're pulled towards it. It just feels right. You like it. There's a feeling of, I like it or a feeling of interest or curiosity, right? That That's it. It's, it's just that simple. So when it comes to all of these paradigms and modalities and helpful tips and grounding techniques and all this stuff, it simply comes down to like, what, what, what feels right? What do you pull towards? So I want you to be, I want you to listen to that. I want you to listen to that, like that, that bodily impulse, that little pull that might be towards something and to listen to that push that might be away from other things. So you feel that, you feel that in your gut or in your chest, maybe. And I want you to listen to that. Not necessarily what the experts are saying because they're experts. People call me, I could care, I could care less, but people call me an expert in, in this, right? But that's got nothing to do with me actually knowing what I'm talking about. So just the fact that I have some credentials or letters behind my name, that's, that just means that I've completed schooling and some tests and some hours and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean that I actually know what I'm talking about. That's when it comes down to it that you have to be the judge of that. Now, I can give you information, but when it comes down to how to apply it to your life, that's where it's... The experts say one thing that's great, but the application to my life, that's up to me. That, that You're the expert on you. You're the expert on you. You're the expert on your life. So I'm giving information and then you hear it and then apply it to the self, right? And that, that's that's it, right? So it's not just because I'm an expert, I'm saying something, there it is, or that's, that's truth, but it's you hearing it and then listening to what your body feels about it. Experts say a lot of things. Experts say a lot of things. And not all of it might be helpful. Um, but only you only you would know that. Or only you could be curious enough to try out a couple of things here and there. And then figure out like what is helpful for you or not. If you don't know what route you want to take. Let's say you're interested in somatic experiencing. You're interested in neuroplasticity and meditation. In meditation, in yoga, in art. I don't care what it is. Like you have all these options of what you're interested in. You can't choose. You know, some, you know, it's helpful. These are all helpful, but is it helpful for you or not? If you can't listen to how you feel, like if there's not a, a pull, think about it this way. I mean, hopefully I can execute on this idea. Who would you reach out to, to find out more information? Hopefully that makes sense. So you have all these experts or these modalities or these activities or grounding skills. If you didn't know what to do with it, who would you reach out to? If you reach out to me like Bunny did, then this knowledge, this polyvagal stuff and a little bit of somatic experiencing, that might be what you're into. If you would, if you would reach out to someone who's 
big in neuroplasticity, that might be what you're into. That might maybe that's what it is. So if your body doesn't tell you what you f- you're feeling, like what is the right step for you right now, then maybe your maybe your mind will. If you want to know more information, who who is it you'd reach out to? And that that's a clue maybe as to where you might want to go next. Maybe. And the last question that Bunny had is whether to lean in or lean away. And specifically, it sounds like with meditation. And my answer is maybe a little bit of both. I think there are some things that we lean into as we're ready. That that might be some sympathetic return of energy from shutdown into, into sympathetic. If you're ready for that, you might lean into that. If you're ready for some of that freeze sympathetic energy to to discharge and you can handle it, then yeah, you would you might lean into that. You might also lean into a little bit of that. Now maybe not a whole like full on return of energy or discharge of energy, but maybe you lean into a, just like a tiny amount. And I, and I think that's that's a better route than full on unless you could handle it. But you could also lean into positive feelings and bunny kind of touched on that in her question we can lead into positive feelings moments of connection and safety and calm there's there's nothing wrong with that at all and that that's not a whole separate paradigm it's it's simply it's part of it's part of the present moment it's part of the package i guess we can lean into those positive things and build up our ability to do that and then lean a little bit away from doing too much of the more painful stuff. And as we lean into doing the more in the present moment, connective kind of stuff, safe stuff, as we do more of that, we build our ability to handle leaning into some of that more painful stuff as well. At the same, like it goes together. There's not two separate processes. One benefits the other, really. But we have to be in the present moment. So no matter what modality or paradigm you're looking at the world through, I think the present moment kind of has to be there at all times. Like we don't exist anywhere or anyone else besides the present moment. So I think it's a big part of all this. So if you're, if you're attempting to meditate and you're getting too frustrated and you can't be with that frustration, then you might be out of the present moment. If you're trying to meditate and trauma stuff comes up, you might be out of the present moment. So that might be too much for you. Not not just to Bunny, but in particular to everybody. To anybody, that might be too much for you. If you're out of the present moment, for any of us, we have to come back to it. Your body will tell you what is too much. If you start to panic, that's too much. That's obviously too much. We don't need to go into a panic. We don't need to go into a full-on like catatonic freeze. But none of that stuff needs to happen for for help, for to get some relief from what you're going through. So your body will tell you what's too much. So listen to your body, and you'll start to feel those things a little bit before the full-on hits, hopefully. And if there's if it's for you, if it's like zero to sixty, where it's like I'm good, and then I'm in a panic then doing any kind of meditation and leaning into the painful stuff might not be a very good idea. But doing a meditation where you're leaning into the present moment and practicing that, that might be a better fit for you. For the most part, though, your body's going to tell you what's too much. And it might also tell you what it's curious about. And that might sound a little bit weird. 
but there might be things that come up for you during a meditation that are kind of scary, but you can handle it in maybe a little bit. So there's some curiosity there. It's like, I don't know what this is, or this is an old feeling that's happening in the present moment that I'm feeling in the present moment. And I'm really curious about what this feels like and where it lives in my body. That's different. So that's that's different. That, that's, that comes from curiosity, though. That's not evaluation. That's not judgment. That's curiosity. So whether you lean, lean in or lean away, it might be a little bit of both, and that's totally okay. All right, hopefully you enjoyed that. The homework assignment is coming up next. Polyvagal patrons, let me know what you thought of this episode and the members episode in the Patreon comments. If you're not a patron, you're missing out. There are hours of audio content on my Patreon, including things I'm experimenting with and sort of like beta testing before I release them into the internet wilds. The homework for you, superfan, is to write out the various paradigms that you've bought into literally or figuratively. Write out who you listen to, write out who you follow, what schools of thought intrigue you, what practices you're doing, and then cross off any that need to be crossed off. That very well might mean that you stop listening to this podcast or stop following me on social media. If you discover that, I'm really happy for you. You're a step closer and you've ruled out one source that isn't adding value to your life. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you've learned some new ways to connect with yourself in this episode. Bye.